You're listening to the Homeboys Podcast, recorded in our Indiana office and with combined 40 years of experience. Here's your hosts, Clint and Scott. Hello, real estate investors. How you doing today? You are with the Homeboys. My name is Clint Weatherill, and we've got a very exciting topic for you today. We are talking about problem properties and realizing when they are problem properties and or bad investments and then getting the heck out of them. So we're going to identify when is a good time to get out and what's the best way to see your way through the mess. And, you know, for me, I always have my business partner hit me over the head with a tack hammer whenever (laughs) I've made a bad decision Mm -hmm. on a problem property. And that man is sitting next to me, Mr. Scott Adams. How's it going today? Good, brother. How are you? Good. Yeah. It's, um, it's graduation season. You've oh. got, uh, you got a lot going on in your life. you got yeah. your youngest yep. graduating high school. Empty nester. I'm about to be an empty nester. This has been a heck of a week, getting it all ready. The backyard. Are you, are, you ex- are you excited about being an empty nester? I think so. You know, Mama Bear has uh, some a new project that's pretty neat. You know, it's part of a – she bought into a, this charity kind of a organization, little boutique, and, and so she's excited about that. To be honest, that was my biggest worry, that uh, Mama Bear would feel restless after the kids were – I know your wife very well. Yeah. I bet she's – mortified right now is she, she is. is she pretty nervous what she is being a yeah but the kids are home a lot you know yeah. we talk about this all the time our kids are so much better than you and I were growing up I mean they're just good kids we didn't set the bar very high <laughs> we did no. not we were terrible kids <laughs> so you know they're still very much around you know it's very much around but I was worried for her. but she's really getting into what she's doing you know and I don't know I, I think she'll be fine I'll be fine I love seeing my kids, but I also really love seeing them succeed in life. I, For like sure. You know, I was just talking with, with young Joe, who handles our, you know, our filming here, and talking about what his launch was like after, after college. And to me, that's a really neat chapter of life, too. So I'm looking forward to this part as much as I am any part. So for me, it's just different chapters of the same book. Absolutely. You know. We just got back from our uh, nephew's graduation yeah. uh, this week, and... You know, it was weird. I was talking to him, and because of COVID and everything, and he actually graduated early, which you know we were, I didn't have that option whenever I was in high school. But he literally had. We been were just around. just happy to graduate. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, uh, he hadn't been around his classmates for like eighteen months. It's like, so crazy. It's like crazy. Yeah. Like, well, Ivy's at home sleeping right now. She was asleep when I left for work. It's just you know? a different. Uh, it's a different world, isn't it? It's it's very strange right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell you all the time. I come in and I'm like, we went to school every day of the week, right? I yeah. wanted to go to school because that's where my friends were at. Sure, you know, that's I not guess, how it you know, is. We didn't have the social media and yeah. TikTok, and Snapchat. I do and, love me some you know, TikTok. I know you do. I, I know you. Do. I'm getting into it now too. Actually, yeah, it's we're, addictive. We're posting. But some speaking videos. of addictive, don't be addicted to your bad properties. <laughs> This is something that people really, really struggle with. Um, And I think it's because just the overwhelming sense of people not wanting to fail. And instead of just acknowledging that something didn't work out and a particular investment didn't work out, you know, just beating that dead horse over and over and over again. And it just, once it starts like that, it just, you don't see it turn around full circle very often. Right. Um, you know, we avoid that for a lot of our clients. I think it's 
interesting to point out, or important to point out, I should say, good properties in good neighborhoods avoids a lot of these problem you know type properties. I'd say it avoids ninety nine percent of of everything. If you really do buy good properties in good areas, and I know that sounds vague and generic, but once you're in real estate, you'll understand that that is a thing, yeah. good properties in good areas versus trying to get these super high return deals in these up and coming areas or, you know, speculating on a house that, you know, that neighborhood's about to turn the corner and trying to get ahead of things. We're talking boring, correct? good houses boring. in good areas that are just the same. They're correct. not going up. They're not going down. They're stable markets. They're stable areas within a stable market. They're stable neighborhoods within a stable market, within a stable area. They're stable streets within a stable area. Mm-hmm. You know, just boring. You just If you focus on boring, you eliminate a lot of these. However, even the best of us have properties that we need to get out of. And it's always hard. The first step is admitting you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's always hard to know when because you think, oh, I'm just around the corner from turning this around. Or you make it, it sound like AA. I know. It no, basically is. Acceptance, right. you know, is the, is, that there's a problem is the first step. Yeah, we should do a 12-step book on this. We <laughs> <laughs> should. Yeah. But, it, you know, but first step But it's something, is, you know, we've, we've been doing this for 40-plus years combined. And... You know, sometimes we struggle with it. You know, we, I, for we, sure. We, we've we've had a few houses over the years, which you know, when we're doing hundreds of real estate investment deals every year, but we don't have a twelve month period where we don't have a few mistakes. You know, in there also. Absolutely. You know, it it happens, and when you're doing the volume that we do, you're you're not you're. It's impossible to not mm-hmm. have that happen. You know, just with volume, there is going to be 1% of deals, even if you do them right, that they just don't work out. Right. They just They just don't work out. But again, with volume, it's nice because then you've got 99 good ones to see you through the one right. bad one. So, you know, there's there's a double-edged sword there. If you're doing enough volume, it, uh, it, it, will, it will soften the blow of the one bad one. Well, it's, you know, it's amazing for, if I look back on my career, like the percentage of deals that are mistakes are so much smaller comparative to like the beginning, you know, of my career. And I see it with new, we, you know, we have lots of clients that are, you know, new real estate investors to Indianapolis and they don't always do deals, you know, with us and they get, you know, return happy and go into some areas that they, you know, that they shouldn't. But let's just, let's just start with how do you identify that it is a problem? You know, what, what would you say is the is the overwhelmingly glaring thing that tells you that there's a problem? Well, I think you and I would both agree that it's if you have um, tenant evictions more than, I'd say, two in a two-year period, something's up. You know, it, it you can get unlucky and have one happen, and there's no reason to sell a house over that. You know, that's the other thing. You know, you, you got to figure out when to rip that Band-Aid off. You can't do it too early because then you're going to be jumping out of great properties that you should have just gone through the tough period on correct but if you've got two evictions within a year maybe two years you need to take a really hard look at that because you're going to be doing you don't want to enter that that forever cycle of what do you call it you say get on the hamster wheel where you got the 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 constant circle of rehab rent evict rehab rent rent, and it's constant just keeps going 
And a lot of it goes back to area, you know, also. We see it here in Indianapolis, and it would be like this in other markets also, that there are areas within Indianapolis that I cannot make them work. And I think that I am, if not the most experienced property manager in the city, I am at the very top of that list. Yeah, not and, just as, as far as experience goes, but as far as skill goes, too. I and mean, I know you've I, worked the whole worked rainbow. It, and it's because, of, it's because of how long I've been doing it and my acceptance to change, you know, along the way. Right. But there are, we get it at least once a month where we have clients come to us with a portfolio of properties and we look at them and say, sorry, we cannot help you. And it just goes back to area. There's nothing that anyone can do, you know, to, to, to attract a good quality tenant in certain areas and for it to be, and for it to be successful. Like you said, there are, there are, situations and good properties and good neighborhoods where bad tenants come in and you know you have to cycle them through but to your point i think you're right i think you have to look at the performance of the property and it's easy whenever performance is going bad to ask yourself the question why is my performance bad why are my tenants not paying why am i having to evict and I think a lot of times, you know, if there's if, if you have a cycle of this of that continuing, you have to ask yourself that question number one. But to come up with the answer, I think it's going to be, I bought a a property in a place where I probably shouldn't have. Right. Or it's a a property that is in a decent place, but the property itself is piecemeal, and you know, we we don't buy a lot of these houses, but we see them out there even in good areas where it's like. You know, a homeowner moved into it, added an addition. Then the next person moved into it and added two additions. And then the next one added three. And before you know it, it's not even a house. It's yep. a, it was a, it's a barber shop or something. I mean, you know, that's the only exception. It's a I bastard think. property right. at that point. It's just, right. it's Stay away from those. They're piecemealed and they're, they're maintenance nightmares. You know, the number one thing, though, is if you're having evictions, you're probably in the wrong area if you're having too many. So that's, that's phase one of just identifying, you know, a property that, Maybe it's time to just get out of it, rip that mm-hmm. Band-Aid off and take your losses. The, no, the next, I think, other reason would be the houses that the house is just, it's not built right or it was added on to and your maintenance costs are super high. And it's just a never-ending, you know, see, sieve of money just pouring out of your pocket into that house. And you just keep putting Band-Aid after Band-Aid on that yep. house. And those you should cut. But besides those two, those two reasons, I can't think of any other. Really, I I, I think you read my mind with that. I was going to say bad bones. Yeah, you know and that that kind of goes in with the maintenance. You know, we see, you know, older homes. There could be you know some insulation problems. There could be it's, if it's an older house. There's just going to be right. more things that's, that's wrong with it. I I'm thinking of a particular situation. Um, literally, our largest client that we have. Um, you know, guy from Chicago. Right. We love him. He's you know, great. been with us for smart over guy. a decade. Very, Very smart, smart guy. Great Very guy. real estate savvy, too. Not mm-hmm. just smart. He's real estate savvy, yeah. business savvy. Really smart guy. Love the guy. Yeah. And, you know, he, he he's a big tax sale guy. Buys yep. lots of properties at tax sales. But we, we had, a, we had a, a property of his that probably a 2,000-square-foot, you know, house. Not in a great area. Not in the worst area. But... Whenever wintertime would come, the electric and gas bill was like twelve hundred a month mm-hmm. on a property that I think we were renting out for call it nine fifty. Right, and you know, my my conversations with with our customer was, 
I don't think that we're ever going to make that property succeed because right. there's no one in that area that's going to rent that house that can afford that utility bill. Right. You know, and really, you know, we have to, to disclose this, you know, as well, because, you know, it's not in your best interest to have this tenant move in right. and then have to, you know. Uh, Every single one of them wants to move out as soon as September. Hits. Correct. And it was. And it, and For a good cause. Correct. And it happened, you know, and, um, you know, and he did, he did acknowledge it. We, right. we, uh, we helped him, you know, get, ri- get, uh, get rid of that property. Right. So really, you know, kind of just saying, how do you spot a, a, a bad investment? I mean, it's going to hit you over the head because it really comes down to dollars and cents. Right. You know, just notice when you're getting slugged upside the head with, with a bunch of expenses and no cash flow. Yeah, um, and I would I would say it's okay to be knee jerk reaction with this stuff. Just not just let it go at least one t- one cycle. If if two cycles is too much, and you know within two years you've got two evictions, it's okay to sell. That might still be an okay property, and you had lightning strike mm-hmm. twice. But to me, it's okay to, to to cut bait on these properties and move on. You know, there's never going to be the perfect time when it sh- when you think it should happen. Right. So it's about. I would say people err on the side of keeping it longer than they should, more than they sell, more than they err on the side of, of selling it too fast. So I would say as soon as you got that feeling, let's let's get you out of that property and get yourself in to replace it. Right. You should always replace it, you know, because you'll recover those losses with a good property so much faster. So what do you think uh, if someone comes to you and says, all right, I'm, it's time to sell this thing? Know, should I fix it up? Should I put it on the retail market? They've went through should the I... first step of acceptance, right. and saying I've got a turd and a dog with right. fleas, and right. I've got to get rid of it. You know, it's a hard question yep. because it's a very easy question right now as we speak. It's always not going to be that easy of a question. Yeah, and this hot market, it, it makes one of the choices very simple. Yeah, I mean, person can get rid of anything right now. I mean, it's it's literally. You know, houses are gone within minutes and many, many offers. And there's just, there's a lot of demand from homeowners, uh, investors alike. Right. I mean, there's, there's just, there's the exit strategy is, is very, very simple right now. Um, so, you know, if, they, if a person has that problem property and we've, I've talked to people every week, you know, about stuff like this. And well, I mean, you've got good options, you know, right now you do. Yeah. Um, but let's, uh, let's. Anyone could do it in this market, really. I mean, you, you could be the biggest, you know, real estate, you know, idiot on the face of the right. earth and, and, and be able to, to, yeah, to, to sell something. a sign in the yard right now. Anybody could yeah. do it, you know. But let's let's go backwards. Okay. Um, let's talk like 2008, nine. You know, you, sure. got, you, got a, you got a crap property. Um, you know, what, what do you do? Right. It's challenging. It you is. know, there's, it's, there's no set in stone answer. Do you continue to... Uh, to bleed on a bad property because there aren't many sales options? Do you dump it? Which by dump it, it means that you've just got to lower the price and just get rid right. of it. Um, or is it a mixture of, of both? You know, yeah, so there's a lot of options. And I think there's few people who have more experience this probably than myself. 
You know, in, in my early career, I thought the way to ride off into the sunset was to buy a lot of junk properties. Because you were a, a turd broker? I was a turd broker. <laughs> I needed that sign on my door, turd broker. Bringing in turds. Yeah. Like, turds. You know, luckily, yeah. I, I was my own number one client, so I wasn't selling a lot of turd broker, turd properties right. to other people. Right. You know, but the bad news was I was the number one client buying them. You know, so I get it. It's easy for me to to to, right. to joke and bust your balls, no, but, but at the same time, yeah. you know, I, I've done it. I've done I it. I survived too, you know? it. Correct. You know why? Because I I cut bait. I started selling these, and and it's almost a case by case basis with these. Some of them you just got to take a big loss and stick it out there as is for whatever the, you know the local uh, you know brokers tell you. Um, there's a lot of brokers that specialize in selling bank owned and and distressed properties. And if, if you're in a, um, markets all over the U.S., I would suggest if you've got a property that's been torn up by a tenant, it's in bad condition, I would reach out to some of them too. That's always a good spot to start with selling something as is. If you just want to cut bait, you don't want to spend another penny on that house, you can reach out to them and you'll get a very precise number on what they can sell it for. These are folks who do high volume as is properties and they can tell you the amount of money that's going to end up in your pocket very, very close to what it actually will mm-hmm. be. Um, so you can get a good feel for what that would be is if you cut bait and just said, I'm not touching it again, just sell it as is if it's a bank owned and you know what you're going to get back in your pocket. No, there, there's in between options. So the next option is to fix it up good enough, just good enough for a tenant to get a tenant in there and get it performing. And then you can try to sell it as a rental, um, just on an open market. You could have any broker put it out there as a rental. Um, in 2008, that was a very difficult thing to sell. People didn't want to buy, you know, your used rental, so to speak. It didn't happen. Yeah, like, it I mean, just it really didn't happen. You know, so in, in this market, they'll do that. Um, the la- you know, the, the next options are very similar. One is to fix it up really nice as a really nice rental or really nice and just sell it as a retail. And that depends on where it's located. And there's a lot of factors to that, but. I would say those are the main options. You know, option one is the wholesalers slash, you know, as-is brokers. Um, you think of any other? Well, we, we're talking about two extreme markets. You know, we, we talked about the market conditions now. Right. Um, hard to explain. People are just throwing money around like it's nothing, you know. Um, yeah. And, you know, you could sell sell anything. And then we're talking about, you know, the, the Great Recession, you know, really. Right. Yeah. You know, um, Generally, if you look over time, you're going to fall somewhere in between, you know, those two those two levels, sure. which which really opens up all the options that we talked about. Like when you, if you if you're going right in the middle of those two these two crazy economic cycles, basically all options will exist. Yeah, I exited about a hundred properties, as you know, and I did it by doing a mix of all of those things mm-hmm. we just talked about. I didn't have one strategy for all of them. I looked at each property and I assessed what the best thing to do there. There were somewhere, even if the best option was selling at retail, I was done. I wasn't going to spend another penny on that house, yeah. period. And that was an emotional thing. But at the same time, that's okay. As long as you get out of it and you go into it with your eyes wide open, you can look at which options are best. And keep in mind, the person that you have help you sell it for each option might be different. This might not be all the same, you know... If it's a group like ours, they're going to have all of these options covered. So we have Barry, who is a bank-owned broker here. He's, he handles all of the foreclosure work for a regional bank here in town, and we're so happy to, to represent them. There's few people who have more foreclosure sales 
uh, experience than the two of us. Um, so we've I'd got say that, no one in town, actually. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So we've got that covered. Um, and then we've got so much retail experience. And we've got this is a full service brokerage. We've got full retail teams. Some of the highest performing retail teams in the state um, are right here. And then we obviously sell a lot of properties turnkey and sell a lot of rentals, you know, that are existing rentals. So we've got all those boxes checked. So if you come to a firm like us and all these other markets, then they'll be able to cover you all. However, if you pick up the look through the yellow pages and find a broker, they're probably going to be more specific to one of those three. You know, going to a foreclosure expert to sell your house retail is not going to be the best choice if that's the avenue you want to go. Um, So you can either find a group like us, which is pretty rare, that has them all covered, or you're going to have to look at each case by case and find the right person for each. But let's 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 rewind for just a second. Let's uh, let's go back to the to the AA step one, the acceptance, and we had a situation in town that we've talked about on several other podcasts where you had a couple of sleaze bags that started providing uh, properties kind of like we do that. The intention was to do it like, like we do, you know, full turnkey to people. But the reality was that they were selling properties that weren't even rehabbed. In some cases they were selling properties that weren't even there. You know, one particular case, they sold a house that had burnt to the ground several months prior. Um, Anyhow, it finally came out. There's there's lawsuits and indictments that have flown on these two on these two scumbags, and but we our phone rang a lot during those times, and you know we talk about accepting that you've got a bad property, and these these poor folks thought that they were buying a good property. I mean, everything that they had, every, to, to my knowledge, from what I see on the surface, it looks like that they were completely deceived from step one. Right. That these sleaze bags, you know, gave them a pro forma, told them what they could expect, and they were sending them bogus rents when the properties weren't even filled, and then the whole thing collapsed. And then our phone started ringing from people saying, you know, I was with this group. I'm not getting rents. They didn't rehab the house. And I would be honest with them and be like, unless you want to spend $50,000, plus to remodel this house and then, you know, put a tenant in it or sell it or, you know, do this the right way. The only option I have for you is to wholesale this property as is. Right. So many of these people tried to make it work. They did. And they, and they could, they did not want to listen to, to the reality. So that's a tough situation. So when we opened this up, we talked about, you know, after one or two evictions, you know, you get you get the message and you get out of it. Well, what if you buy a house right off the start before you've even had any trouble and you've got people saying, that is not worth keeping, that is not worth fixing up. You've just spent $80,000 on a house that someone is telling you, you should just put it out there for sale for thirty grand and be lucky if you get that thirty grand. Correct. And they think to themselves, well, no, I'm going to rent it. I'm going to fix it up at least and try to get something out of this. That's tough at the first time. Now, most of those people have learned the lesson. They went through the cycle once. Mm-hmm. They fixed it up, tried to get it rented. And I I can't think of a single one of those at that houses. Then at that point, you've wasted your another $30,000. You, you, you know, you've got a hundred, ten, twenty, hundred thirty thousand dollars in a property. Correct. You know, that's worth eighty. Right. You know, it... And I, I, I'm not making fun of people because I've been in their shoes, but like seeing, watching people beat their head against a wall, trying to make 
something work that's not, it's right. really hard for me to watch. It's, it's it's also hard because usually the people that, that will, you know, do their dance for them and, like, string them along after the fact, too, and this is people outside of the original ripoff artists, but the kind of people that will string them along and say, okay, we'll fix that up, we'll do this, we'll do that, they're usually not doing the best work, you know, to the property, and then the owner doesn't want to spend the most money. They already are in. They just want to get it good enough to rent, and good enough to rent doesn't work. It does not work. You have to make a good rental home that you would want to live in, and you can't out of these, especially if you're trying to, you know, get this done for half price because you've already been ripped off. It's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, lipstick on a pig in the property it's, management and rental world, it just does not work. It doesn't. And it's not something that we, we, we won't work in that world. It's, yeah. if, you know, if, if that is something that uh, you are interested in as investor, <laughs> please do not call us <laughs> and don't waste our time because yeah, we, yeah. we do not put lipstick on, right. on, on pig and, and properties. And it sucks paying the higher amount to get something done the right way. But you get your money back. You start out well. Right. You know, you start from step one in a good direction, and it's so easy to maintain that. When you start at a sea level, you're just constantly fighting quality tenants. You're constantly fighting the maintenance. You're constantly fighting, and it's such a, a, a very challenging thing to get over. Take it from two guys who have tried to do this with bad properties, whether it was for ourselves early in our careers or for other clients, just trying to do them favors, to be honest. Um, we didn't want to do it, but early in our careers, we used to just – we would do the dance for the client because that's what they wanted. And we'd put lipstick on their pig for them and we won't do it anymore. And it's not that we think we're better than anyone else out there. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We've never seen anyone make it work. So this isn't, this isn't about us saying, you know, Oh, you got to have a nice home and we only provide great rentals. This is about brass tacks. Your wall, it doesn't work for your wallet to do it that way. So don't do it, sell it, move on or just just spend the money if it's in a decent area and do it right. So those are your options. And, and you should get guidance along the way. But bottom line is, when you've got a property, be real about it. If Accept it's a it. Accept it. Accept it. Accept it. It's a bad property. It yeah. happens to all of us. Yeah, and, and don't lose faith over it. There's, you know, you're going to have them. If you're, doing, if you're going to be a serious real estate investor, this is going to happen to you. I don't care how smart you are. If you do a volume of properties and want to own a large portfolio of rentals, this will happen to you, period. It's just, it just will. So it's okay when it does. You just got to get out of it as quick as you can and move on to the next. Take your lump, take it all at once, rip that Band-Aid off, and move on. It's well said. I don't think there's uh, anything else for me to add. You know, acceptance, biggest thing. Yep. Um, but... That's a, it's an interesting topic that we could talk about for a very long time. You know, it, we've, we talked to many people with problem properties and I just want to say whenever we, whenever we talk to our clients, we are not trying to be pessimistic. We truly are wanting to help them. So people have to accept help also, but right. anyhow, that is our show for today. Before you leave, hit that subscribe button. We want you to continue to join us on future podcasts and other content that we're providing until next time. Happy investing. Mm-hmm.